Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of River City Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Our mission is to awaken people to the transforming presence and power of God's love. To find out more, visit rivercitychurch.com and thanks for listening. How are we doing this morning? Great service thus far. The worship team was amazing. I was so blessed. I felt the same thing when Jared came up to do the even, though I can't feel it, you're working. That, 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 that refrain just kind of kept hitting me because I think that's many of our struggles is we often don't feel like God is working we're, we're, and we're saying the truth over our feelings. It's such an important thing. Well, welcome. Um, I'm Brian Robinson. I'm on staff here at RCC. Welcome if you're watching online. Great. You guys are here. We're um, on week two of this series called People of the Spirit. Um, so excited about this series. Like it's, it's one of our core values, our pillars, so to speak, that we believe that God still speaks through the Spirit. God ministers by His Spirit. He fills us. He gives us gifts of the Spirit, produces fruit of the Spirit to make us more like Jesus. And this, this idea of the Holy Spirit is just such an important aspect of our, our life in Christ. So let's pray as we get started and we'll get going. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the testimonies. Uh, thank you for how you are working in this body, in this family just ask that you come now, God, open your word, open your heart, and send uh, just more of yourself, more revelation of yourself. Holy Spirit, would you just come and touch us in whatever way we need to experience your love, your truth, your presence, Lord. I pray you would increase in us this morning, that we would decrease, and that we just relinquish more of our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. We heard that last week from Jared, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. At creation, he hovered over the waters, and he was part of creation. When God said, let us make man in our image, he's talking about the Trinity there, the Holy Spirit. And in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, before Jesus came and rose from the dead, the Spirit mainly fell upon people, came upon people, prophets and teachers and leaders, to do specific things. He would fall upon David for battle or something like that. He fell upon Saul and Saul prophesied. He fell upon Elijah and Elijah spoke things about the future. He would fall upon people and, and temporarily touch them. Now, if you can imagine that, like being a person that lived before Jesus, that was, that was your, your walk with God. It was basically someone would tell you about God and you'd worship God and you'd worship Yahweh in the temple or in the synagogue. But feeling him may have been very different, maybe totally absent. I, I don't know. But I, I think there was a, a, a marked difference that, that occurred before Jesus came in the experience people had of God. And that's, it's, a, it's a crazy thing to think about for a second, like even how privileged we are to be in the new, the new covenant, the New Testament, that we are a privileged people to have the spirit that actually now fills us and comes inside of us when we receive Jesus into our hearts, that, that we, we, are, we are experiencing things that people like Moses may not have experienced, or David, or Samuel. Like These were amazing men and women of faith prior to Jesus, and they probably didn't experience what we have access to now. So when Jesus comes on the scene, he basically says, I am coming but there's someone who's just like me that's going to come and be among you forever. And he says it in John 14, 16. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. 
And the Spirit's called many things throughout the Bible. Uh, He is called uh, the Spirit of the Most High, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of glory, the Spirit of life, the Spirit of knowledge, Spirit of truth. Many, many names. But Jesus says, I'm going to ask the Father, and when I leave, another advocate is going to come and be with you forever. That's incredible. The Spirit of truth. That word another in the Greek is an interesting word. We, we think of another as it means another, and, and there's only one word we have in English for that. So if I say I have an orange, here's another one, that means I have to sit the same thing. I have another orange. But I could say I have an orange, here's another piece of fruit, and it's a banana, and they're two different things, totally different things, but they're still another. But in the Greek, that word another means exactly the same, like orange and orange. So Jesus is saying, I'm sending you another one who's just like me in in the spirit, and he's going to be with you forever. It's an important distinction. He's not saying a a different thing. He's saying, I'm sending a replica of of my nature, my character, because the Trinity is the same, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. So Jesus said, I'm sending you another advocate. I've I've been your advocate and I'm sending you another one after I leave, the comforter, the Holy Spirit of truth. It's, really, it's a really important distinction. I was reading this week, I think about sometimes how a typical you know, person today, or Christian even today, thinks of the Spirit. And I think just because we live in a, a Star Wars era, um, the last 50 years, I love Star Wars. I mean, I'm a Star Wars group on Star Wars, loved, love Star Wars, and uh, Go to Disney World, love trying to get on Star Wars rides and never getting on because the line's so stinking long. And then you, yeah. But anyway, but I think, I think many of us, if you ask people, they would kind of describe the spirit as kind of like the force in Star Wars. Like, like there's Luke right there. He's like, if he, if he just turns his hand over, it's like prayer ministry time. You know, he's new prayer ministry. <laughs> you know, it's like he's using the force. Like Chip Ingram said this, real quick quote from Chip Ingram, if you could. Um, he said, he's a teacher today, kind of a cultural uh, student of culture, and he's a, as a pastor. He says, if I ask the average Christian how they think about the Holy Spirit, most would say they think of him much like the force in Star Wars. They believe the Spirit is, is some sort of neutral, invisible spiritual power or energy somehow working in the world or as a force that did something a long time ago. That's really not the Holy Spirit. So you've got Luke, you know, using the force, but you also have the dark side. So you've got... You've got Kylo, Luke's nephew, also using the force. So, so the force is used for good or for evil. That's not the Holy Spirit. You, you can't, you, there's no dark side to the Holy Spirit. There's no, there's no other side. You know, George Lucas was a Buddhist. So, so there's, so he's, 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 he's I'm, I'm not kidding, he is. He was, still is, I don't know. Um, but he, he took these principles of this force and energy and light and dark, and he mixed this all in with all this other stuff and, and created Star Wars. And I, I think if you took light and dark and mixed them together, you have a terrifying idea right here. Jar Jar. <laughs> that is an abomination. So you, you can't mix light and dark. You can't do it. All right, you can take that down. Um, but the force and the Holy Spirit are not the same. They're just not. The, the Spirit of God is a person. He's a person. He, can, he has feelings, and, and he can't be controlled by us. He comes to bring control over us to make us more like Jesus. He can't be used like a, like a force to do something or to get something or to win something or to change something. He's, he comes inside of us to make us more like Jesus. Totally different. Totally different idea of, of the nature of the Holy Spirit. I want to look at a story from, uh, from Scripture, from the Gospel of Matthew, when, when Jesus is beginning his ministry. 
It's his baptism. He gets baptized by his cousin, which is really confusing. I don't even know why he would do this. There's a lot of debate about why he did this. He gets baptized by his cousin, and it's a little confusing. But this begins his ministry. Up until this point, he had done no miraculous stuff as far as we know. There's no record in the Gospels that he did anything supernatural. There are some other works that are not considered the word of God or part of the Bible, like there's a gospel of Thomas out there that was written hundreds of years after and it talks about Jesus as a baby. One time he turned his friend's parents into salt or something like that. He ticked them off or something and he did something crazy. And then one time he, he was helping Joseph on one of his projects and he cut the, Joseph cut the wood too short so Jesus like touched the wood, lengthened the wood for Joseph to do some more carpentry. Those are not in the Bible. Those are just stories made up that were... Um, whatever, to get attention from, for a reader or something like that. But that was, there, there are no recorded miracles of Jesus prior to this baptism he experiences in the gospel of Matthew and, and Luke as well. Let's read this together from Matthew 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented, and as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him or landing on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son with whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So this is the beginning, really, of Jesus' ministry. This is one of the few stories, too, where you see the Trinity, you see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all interacting in this moment uh, in Jesus' life and ministry. And right after this, Jesus begins his whole, his whole ministry. So he's being baptized by John, and, and some would say he did, this, he did this to identify with the rest of us, but because we all need to be baptized. And so Jesus got baptized to identify with humanity that we're broken and sinful, not that he needed to be forgiven or he needed to be washed clean, but he was identifying as a Lamb of God with the rest of us. Some, some would say that he was just also endorsing his cousin because there was this disagreement sometimes. Like, are you a John's disciple or are you Jesus' disciple? And Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm being baptized by my cousin. I'm endorsing my cousin. He's the forerunner of my ministry, of my life. And he is the holiest that's ever lived, Jesus said. He's the greatest born of a, of a woman ever, if you can imagine that, until Jesus. And so he's endorsing, he's partnering with his cousin and saying, I'm, 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 I'm part of this as well. And so he gets baptized by John and he humbles himself. Jesus is humbling ultimately himself saying, I will allow you to do this to fulfill righteousness, but I will humble myself. And over and over again, we see Jesus humbling himself, choosing to do things that you would not think the king of kings should do, like get baptized for, for sin because he's not a sinner. He never sinned. And so he gets baptized and that humility, that brokenness, that willful choice changes everything. The spirit, the heavens are opened, which I'm not sure what they look like. I'm sure it was just incredible. The glory of God, the brightness, the light of God, and then the spirit falls upon Jesus like a, like a dove gently landing on the son of God. And then Luke 4, 1, right after that, next verse says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the spirit into the wilderness. So now his, his life, his ministry has begun. Now, it, it, there's mystery here. I want to say that there's, there's mystery in, in this whole idea. Was Jesus not full of the Holy Spirit before that? It's a hard question. 
He was the son of God, right? He was the son of God. Could, could, could he have done miracles before this? I, I don't know. I think so. But for whatever reason, it says that he is now full of the Holy Spirit. And now he goes and begins his ministry. This is important because, again, the humility of Jesus, like he was God in the flesh, but he chose not to use, not to utilize the things that he had prior to becoming a person. He was fully human. And it says in Philippians, have the same mindset of Jesus Christ, Philippians 2, who being in the very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself, he made himself nothing by taking the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So he laid down the powers and the attributes and characteristics of divinity. He laid down those things to identify with us, to show us what life in the fullness of the spirit looks like. And everything he did was by the Spirit, I believe. He spent time with the Holy Spirit. He moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't simply doing things because, oh, that's, that's just God. You know, like, in my mind, I think of, like, well, he, he does all that stuff. He's just the Son of God. Like, that's easy. You're healed, 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 delivered, 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 delivered. It's like, that's easy. But yet he, he feels power leave him. He goes off and he spends time overnight praying after a full day of ministry because he's so tired. He goes, and has, he goes and gets refreshed and refilled by the Spirit because he is, I believe, the example for us. He is doing what we're called to do, and he did, he did it perfectly. He lived in tune with the Spirit, one with the Spirit, and he was producing the fruit of the Spirit in his life. And so I believe he, he is the example for us to follow, that we would walk in the Spirit like he did. Mark Jones, the theologian, says this, Christ's humanity needed the Holy Spirit in order to have communion with God. His prayers to God were never simply prayers of a man or even prayers of the God-man to the Father, but more specifically, they were prayers of the Son of God to the Father in the power of the Spirit. Never was a prayer uttered before God from the lips of Jesus that did not have the Spirit working powerfully upon his human nature to enable him to speak the words of the Father had given him to speak. In this way, we aim to pray as our Lord prayed in the Spirit. That's just one example. He prayed in the Spirit. He ministered in the Spirit. He spoke by the Spirit. He was filled with the Spirit. And that's how he lived his life. And that's, that's such an important thing, I think, for, for us to say, wow, this is, um, it's, it's, it's possible for us. Like, it's possible for us to be, to be like Jesus, if we really knew what we had in us, if we really knew the power of the dark. Now, the power like, that's in us, like if we really knew the power that we have in the spirit, we would live differently. We'd have confidence. I would have more confidence. I'd have more assurance. I'd have less fear and less shame and less all that stuff. Jesus walked free of that stuff. He walked free of shame and accusation and lust and greed and anger because he was full of the Holy Spirit. I have to believe that. I have to believe that he, when he sweat drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, he wasn't faking the feeling. He was feeling that, but he trusted and was full of the Spirit, and he moved forward in the will of God. He sweat drops of blood, y'all, like real human anxiety about what was about to happen to him. And he moved forward by the power of the Spirit because he lived in the Spirit. You know, I, I think it's... Um, 
It's interesting, too, to think that right after this, he is sent out into the Jordan, and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And then he's, like, tempted by Satan. And this is the the worst two months of his life. The next two months are just terrible. He's full of the Spirit. God falls on him, says, I love you. And then the Spirit drives him in the wilderness. And then he's tempted by Satan. He's fasting. And then he leaves there and is sent by the Spirit to his hometown. I preached on this a month ago. He goes to his hometown, and his best friends want to kill him. He says, I've come, I've come not just for you guys, but I've come for the Gentiles too. And they're like, let's kill him now. The Spirit sent him into these places. And oftentimes we think, I must be out of the will of God if, if things are hard. You know, I must be out of God's will if I've got all this stuff going on in my life. How could this be the Spirit leading me or guiding me or God guiding me? But it may be just that, y'all. Like, it may be that God is producing something in you by the Spirit in that time of the wilderness that is totally different than if you just had the opposite of what you wanted. Like, we often think the hardest times God is the most, you know, absent or maybe I missed something. I missed his voice. I missed his will. I missed his desire for me. And it could be the exact opposite, that he actually sent you into this time of wilderness to prepare you for something greater. Jesus had to be stripped of his friendships and his, his trust in people and go in the wilderness and do, rely on the spirit for everything. And so that he comes out of that place and his ministry begins with him having nothing except the spirit. And that was enough. And that was enough. It was more than enough. And he chooses his disciples, and he begins doing miraculous things, and he begins to live his life out of the fullness of the Spirit. So I hope that's encouraging maybe to some of us that we would think, you know, maybe this time, this season of my life is not, I'm missing God or something, or God's distant from me. Maybe he's right with me. Even though I don't feel it, he's working. Even though I don't sense that he's working, or he's right with me in this, in this hard season. You know, the goal, I think, that, that the Spirit wants for us ultimately is, uh, is Christ-likeness. You know, that's, that's what he's trying to produce in me and in you. He's trying to make us more like Jesus and freer from sin, more like Christ. That's the, that's the Christian life in, in, in one sentence. Freer from, freer from that stuff, more like Christ. Because when, when we're more like Christ, we feel joy like he felt joy. We, felt, we feel peace like he felt peace. We, we feel what he felt, and what he felt was perfect, perfect love, perfect joy, perfect everything, because he was in every way perfect. And we could live in a way that he lived and feel the things he felt, to live before God, you know, without fear of rejection, the Father, to live before God without shame, without these things that we have as humans. The Spirit is is trying to produce in us Christ-likeness that, that would change our hearts, change our attitudes, change our feelings, but also attract others to, to, to the Lord. You would be attractive to others who don't know Jesus because the Spirit is working through you, not your own flesh or your own accomplishments or personality or any of that stuff. Like, what would, what would attract people to you Attract people to the Lord is, is your Christ-likeness by you surrendering to the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Freer from sin and, and more like Jesus. And that, that begins with just a surrender. 
It's, it's a surrender daily to the Spirit. It's a surrender daily to, to saying, yes, Lord, I want this. It's interesting that the first thing that God said to Jesus was, I'm well pleased with you. You know, not just I love you, but I'm actually pleased with you. Before Jesus had done anything, he begins with the approval of the Father, and he lives his life out of that. And oftentimes, we live our life for that. We're, we're called to live from approval of the Father, not for approval of the Father. Totally different. Totally different. We're called to live from the embrace and the love. And when you are in Jesus, he says the same thing to you. That's the, per, that's the point of the story, is that we identify with Christ. And so when you become a Christian, he says to you, you are my son, you are my daughter, I am well pleased. Before you've done anything, before you've gone on a mission trip, before you've repented from this or that, before you've gone to church 25 times, before you gave some money to a missionary, whatever, you work, you live, you exist from the approval of the Father, not in order to get it. And that's, an, that's a beautiful thing because Jesus then is, is <laughs> sent into a terrible place of, of difficulty. But he's living from the approval of God, his Father, and the Spirit. And so I, I just, my prayer this morning is that we would know, that we would know this is possible for us. Like aside from the stuff we're going to talk about in a few weeks, like the miraculous stuff and the speaking in tongues and the fruit of the Spirit, just that we can know we have access to God like Jesus did. And we can live in the fullness of the Spirit. And we can experience confidence and joy and freedom because we're approved by him. Let's stand. <clears throat> Jesus said in John 7, 38, he makes this promise. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. That's it in a nutshell. Whoever believes, that's whoever, y'all, that's every single person who believes in Jesus has access to streams of living water from within them. We're like, we're like a well, you know, that we're, our soul is like a well that, that is created to contain the spirit of God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for uh, this morning. Would you just come right now? You've been here, but we ask you to manifest, to, to, to show yourself even more, to fill us and to wash over us, to fill the well of our soul with the approval of the Father. God, thank you that we can't add to that approval. We can't add to the acceptance we already have. Would you just come right now and speak what we need to hear and have your way, Lord. We just surrender to your love this morning.